This is Passing for Normal, conversations with artists, activists, and awakeners about how they are seeding change in the world. I'm your host, Sharon Weil, author of Donnie and Ursula Save the World and the new book, Changeability, a work of nonfiction exploring how to navigate change with more effectiveness and ease. How do you find courage? How do you become more effective in navigating change? Find out when you join us for fun and insightful discussion with some very inspirational people about how to turn purpose and passion into action, while at the same time, passing for normal. Hello and welcome to Passing for Normal Season 2. In Season 1, I spoke with a number of fascinating change makers and change writers, not only about the incredible work they were doing in the world, but also about how they do it. How is it they are so brave or so resourceful, so helpful, or remain so hopeful in the face of disappointing setbacks? Their wise answers to me became part of a new book, Changeability, How Artists, Activists, and Awakeners Navigate Change, and inspired me to deeply contemplate the very nature of change and how to best meet change in this fast, ever-changing world. In the book, I identify seven principles for change, whether initiating change, inspiring change, or adapting to existing change. These principles are interdependent and are present in how we navigate the personal and the public changes of our life. So what I want to do now is go back and engage these very guests that inspired my thinking about change, to go back to them and deepen our discussion about these principles in Passing for Normal, the Changeability series. Find community is the principle of finding support and assistance. When it comes to supporting us through change, this includes everything from finding an expert to finding a like-minded tribe to finding a warm embrace in troubled times. Finding community is essential in supporting all of our changes, whether they are personal or global. My guests today are Dina Metzger and Amanda Folger, two amazing women who put community at the center of all their work towards personal, transpersonal, environmental, political, and holistic change. Dina Metzger is an acclaimed author, poet, teacher, healer, and medicine woman who has taught and counseled for over 40 years. Dina has spent a lifetime investigating story as a form of knowing and healing. She conducts training groups on the spiritual, creative, political, and ethical aspects of healing and peacemaking, individual, community, and global, drawing deeply on alliances with spirit, indigenous teaching, and many wisdom traditions. One of her focuses has been uniting Western medicine with indigenous ways for healing not only the individual, but the earth as well. She has introduced the concept of dare, meaning counsel to North America. The Tobanga Dare relies on counsel, alliance with spirit, and the natural world, ancestor work and wisdom traditions and teachings, music healing, dream telling, divination, kinship, and storytelling to achieve personal transformation, community healing, and social change. Amanda Folger is a practitioner of shamanism, an ancient system for healing, well-being, guidance, and growth. 
As a faculty member of the Foundation for Shamanic Studies, she has taught shamanic workshops in California and Colorado for the past 30 years, as well as worked with groups and individuals, bridging our relationship with the spirit world, the unseen realms that can support our lives, creating rituals and rites of passage towards holistic healing and life passages. Welcome, Dina and Amanda. Very glad to be here. Yeah, me too. Thank you, Sharon. I am so glad. I am so glad to be in conversation with the both of you together. <laughs> um, the both of you put community, it's at the heart of what you're speaking of. It's what the heart of what you teach. It's what the heart of what you hold. Um, and you are both the deepest and most dimensional people that I know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes, thanks. So well, I, think I, I think community is at the core of, of everything because community is really the, uh, it's the world and all the connections within it. And when we recognize that we are really all in it together and... Um, or as um, the Lakota Sioux would say, uh, all our relations um, are present, uh, then, then we're in it. Then we're really in the depth of what change or healing um, it means. I think we each have an individual path and experience, but we're in relationship all the time with everything around us. Um, from, indeed, the earth itself uh, is a living being, a conscious being, just in a very different form. And we have the great privilege and gift of being part of that life experience, evolving and changing over long, long time, um, eons of time. Genetically, we have, you know, probably just about every kind of gene from every kind of being on the <laughs> planet in us in terms of how we've evolved. So this idea of, yes, we're individual beings, but we are in relationship all the time with all beings, starting from Mother Earth up to the plants and the trees and the rocks and the rivers and the sky and, you know, sun, moon and stars and, um, and so on. And I think to live your life on that basis doesn't mean we're not individuals and that we don't have individual responsibilities, but it, it means that we actually have quite a support system I think one of the great gifts of um, a shamanic approach is that we have our own individual authority and autonomy personally and spiritually, and we need to um, you know, have that, that kind of core aspect of ourselves. But then that, in turn, enables us to be in deep relationship with everyone and everything around us. Um, and operating from an inclusive rather than exclusive uh, basis. Well, you are each someone who walks people through change. A lot of the work that you do, whether on a personal level or on a group level, collective level, is you're walking people through change and through the difficulties of their change. And so I want to ask you, why is it that so often when people are facing change or challenging change that they tend to isolate, that they tend to think I have to do it myself or it, they place themselves in a situation where they do um, not reach out. 
Well, I think you're talking about people in Western culture. Yes. And not people in general, because that would not be the inclination of people, let's say, who are um, connected to an indigenous tradition. So it's part of the, I can pull myself up by my own bootstraps, that is uh, perhaps uh, one of the uh, aberrant ideas in in Western culture or American culture. Um, so if we look at how people respond, they generally would have in the past um, gathered together um, when things become difficult, whether when someone is ill or in pain or suffering or when a community is afflicted. So for me, when I think about meeting a difficult time, I immediately think of calling a council. And I think that's what people did in the old days. When things were difficult, when they didn't know what to do, they called a council, and they were grateful for the possibility that others in the circle would know what to do, or that their collective experience, perhaps even more important, would lead to a new field from which new direction might emerge. Ooh, can you speak of that a little more? This new field? Well, when we sit in council in Dare, for example, we, we ask a question. We don't ask a question to answer it. We ask it to attend the question, to think about it so we can carry it. And people respond by telling stories from their own experience. And so after a few hours, we have very intimate stories that people have told that speak some truth about their lives. These stories form a new consciousness. It's, it's like having gone through a fabulous anthology very quickly. <laughs> and now... Um, you have a new sense of where you might go. You have new ideas. They're all cohering with each other. From that foundation, one can begin to see where to go in a new way. Does that? Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, I think, again, um, in more traditional uh, indigenous cultures, there's a, a deep respect for um, the uh, the individual experience, and you think about in traditional initiations, whether for men or for women, there would be a, a kind of an ordeal and an experience that a person might have to go to. There's also the initiations that come from unexpected events that arise in our lives that ask us to step up or to change or to meet some difficulty or some challenge um, in our lives. And traditional initiations were usually to help people to ground in their own spirit connections, their own sense of belonging and being connected to something beyond themselves, and at the same time being in the context of a community of people who understood, yep, everybody has to do their own individual walk, and have to meet their own situations and their own conditions, 
and at the same time there is the spiritual support system which can hold them and there is also the community of elders and family and friends who can also assist them in finding solutions and finding resolutions to the things that arise in our lives. And I think, Amanda, when you're talking about this, there's also the implication, is there not, that that community uh, also contains spirits and, and animals, other beings that we are connected with in our individual process. Yeah, this is the this is the world beyond us, beyond the human world, where we understand that we we have these other relationships. There's, you know, kind of the ordinary and the non-ordinary uh, worlds. And I, again, most traditional peoples really recognize that they they exist, they coexist, and that both need to be included in our, um, you know, considerations and in our our life experience, and that there's sources of wisdom, sources of support, sources of power, uh, that and answers and guidance that's available to us in the invisible world as well as in the ordinary uh, worlds of our day-to-day uh, existence and our community relationships. And so when someone is going out, for example, on their own, on a quest, they're, they're going out to be alone to consider the situation that has just happened to them. They're not isolating. It's an interesting mm-hmm. contradiction. Yes. They are going out alone. They're going to be in solitude and silence. They may actually be fasting. They may be facing some ordeal, but they are not alone. Behind them is the is the village or the community that is aware of what they're involved in, and with them, hopefully, are the spirits, the animals, the beings of the earth who uh, are deeply connected to them, perhaps even more so in that moment. Right, and so the quest is to be able to hear the voices or the guidance of those unseen forces even more strongly, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, and, yes, and to connect with sources of power, meaning the, the kind of power of the creation of, of the universe kind of power we're talking about. It's that invisible um, creative energy that, that has brought us all into being in some kind of way, but expresses in very personal, very specific ways. Um, in a way, we could say each person, each individual expression of life on the planet carries medicine of some kind, and we can encounter that in ordinary reality. Uh, People have deep experiences sometimes when they are alone in nature and sit with a rock or go be with a tree or a bird comes or, you know, any number of different things. Also, in dreaming, things can come to us or in shamanic journey experiences where people deliberately seek out to connect with these spiritual resources. And from that that connection feel empowered to really move ahead and you know to do what it is whatever that is that they need that they need to do and and i think often for us in this culture just getting quiet enough uh, and Mm -hmm. taking a little time uh, to um, be in a quiet place in nature without all the stimulation of you know all the electronics and you know the endless kinds of toys that we have to play with, uh, which are useful to us in some ways, but 
at other times they can certainly be distractions and keep us from that deeper rooting, that deeper knowing, and that deeper connection and community that is really available to us both in the ordinary and non-ordinary worlds. Yes. So quiet is not uh, being alone. Mm-hmm. And that feels very important. There's another aspect here that I would like to bring in. When I work with people in a healing mode, I also ask them to see if they can find a healing path that is good for them and good for the community and good for the world. Because our relations, our relationships with these other beings need be reciprocal. And so for me, um, healing is not only for the individual, but it is uh, for, the, uh, for all, the, all the beings. And that is what makes healing substantial. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. And I think it's that in-breath, out-breath. You know, it's like, yes, we have the in-breath where we do the inner work. We take in the resources that we need to. And then there is the gift and the responsibility, in a way, to share it, because we're in deep conversation, you know, in this life. This is, it's really, a, it's a deep conversation. Even if you're by yourself, um, you, you are still in that, held in that uh, incredible, well, we could even say, uh, this powerful electromagnetic field, which is really part of what life is all about. Um, and we're all part of it. And so when we... Um, have a that do that deep inner work then we have something to offer to others that may be in fact very useful to our world and very useful to others in our community besides ourselves alone right and, and, when, we're, and when we're feeling that connection that that exchange of in and out happens almost simultaneously yeah. yes yeah and also when we're suffering something when we feel called to change it is often that we are a representative of that suffering uh, that's going on in, in the community. And so we look for what will bring healing or ease, and, but we're not only looking for ourselves. And that's one of the ways that I um, determine whether a path um, feels right or not is whether it is good for the individual and for the others who are suffering for it or symbolically how that suffering might be uh, occurring in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Metaf- there's a, metaphor is um, one of the ways of deep connection um, that we find. And so the metaphor of the suffering is... Um, often that which connects the individual with, uh, let's say, a condition in the earth or in the community or among nations or um, whatever uh, relationships there might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get back to this thing that you were saying, Dina, that, you know, quiet is not isolating. And in fact, quiet isn't very quiet if you (laughs) when you get quiet is when you can feel the connection can hear the I'm putting quotes around it but not really voices of um of spirit or you know as a writer um when you go into quiet 
you go into almost sacred solitude um, in order to hear the story, in order to hear the, the voices of character that want to speak to you. Right. So noise is not connection. <laughs> and quiet is not isolation. Oh, could you say I, that again? That's great. Yes. Noise. <laughs> what did I say? You said noise it's is not, not connection. connection. Yeah. Noise is not connection. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's the confusion that we're in in this culture at this time because there are so many sounds and and so much data, so much uh, theoretical the communication that's occurring it's just noise and when we can get away from that then we can hear the deeper voices we can hear our own thoughts and then as you said especially as 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 a writer we can go inside to all those other voices and if we're fortunate to contact uh, as amanda said the the spirit beings the voices from from the other realities um, that can guide us through a true, uh, respectful conversation. And, and that conversation becomes mutually mm-hmm. beneficial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, the noise um, often makes me want to shut down. Mm-hmm. makes me you yeah. know want to biologically contract right so that i'm actually less available to whatever uh messages are are being thrown about in my environment yeah i think and I that think... biological desire to uh, contract and turn off is actually a signal saying turn off the computer yeah. <laughs> right yeah yeah, and, and we each have our own balance, you know, and need to really be very responsive to, boy, yeah, I do need to turn off the computer. <laughs> I've been here way too long, and I need to go take a walk or just sit outside for a while or, uh, you know, or connect with another person or, you know, with an animal or whatever it is that then kind of brings you back into balance. Um, and sometimes, yeah, we do need those times by ourselves, but it's to find the balance is is kind of the art and science of living, I think, of that inner and outer uh, experience, and recognize we have resources in both realities, and we have resources by ourselves, and we have resources connecting with others. And um, you know, at this time, I think we're at critical mass in terms of what we as humans are really going to do on this planet. And what are we going to show up for? What kind of a life, what kind of a legacy do we really want to um, leave for the next generation and the generations to come? Uh, because we, we know without a doubt that as humans, we have had a gigantic impact on the life of the planet. And we have to now really take responsibility and find solutions. And I think these solutions can come in all these ways we've been talking about. And, um, and then... Not just getting the idea, but then, of course, carrying it out in this reality, really making the choices and the decisions that you have to about how are you going to use the resources that we have? How are we going to live with other species? How are we going to live with other nations, other people? Um, and 
you know, we're we're right at this point where um, we know we can't pretend that you know we are not responsible. We really have to now step up uh, in a way and at a time that uh, is kind of unprecedented, I think, on the planet. Yes, and really feel feel and acknowledge the relationships that we're in. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we can't be exclusive anymore. We have to be inclusive, and we have to understand all the consequences of what that really means. What we do matters, and it has an impact on the world around us as a, individuals and as a species. And this is, again, where we're in a dynamic with community because the extremity of the changes that have happened on the planet are calling for perhaps an equal extremity in the kinds of changes that we need to initiate both individually and uh, as groups. And this is very, very hard. So when we begin to make these changes and make them in dialogue with the community, then we have a better chance of really changing our lives. Because in order for the planet to survive, the changes are going to have to be extreme. Mm. And so if they are mutual, if they're reciprocal, then the planet has a chance. Mm. Right. So, you know, whenever we talk about community... Um, and people come together whenever there's more than one person or more than one opinion or more than one agenda, there is the possibility for conflict. And so community uh, and finding community, you know, for some people it feels threatening because they feel like it's sure to bring about conflict or it just does by its nature. So, what? Well, the change I would like to see is to... Imagine that when we come together in diversity, that um, it's not conflict. It is actually extraordinary possibility because it is complexity that creates the life force. And um, the, uh, the Gaia theory um, asserts that the planet will survive as long as complexity exists, as long as there are many different species and ways of being on the earth, and that it is singularity that is so dangerous. So I look toward uh, being in community with great excitement. What is going to happen that is different from what I know? Uh, so I think uh, rather than conflict, I like to think about resonance. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yeah, or, and, or even using and, the word diversity rather than conflict, yes. because having diversity does not necessarily put things in conflict. In mm-hmm. fact, all of nature is based on um, the inner workings of diversity, the right. reliance of mm-hmm. of diversity. So diversity and complexity mm-hmm. yes. offer us great possibility. Mm-hmm. And I think also the the genuine dialogue of you know and real conversation, um, which is um, I think something that in Dare you have cultivated over a very long time, Dina, um, and really bringing people together to speak from their hearts and to speak about their concerns and to speak about their issues, etc. 
and uh, to be heard. You know, the council process um, is such a valuable one where people sit and listen to what somebody has to say and then has the opportunity to respond and to speak. And everybody gets the opportunity to respond and to speak. Um, And I think it creates an opportunity for the the very kind of dialogue uh, in diversity that we really need that's going to help us to come to the the solutions and the, the right actions that we need to take. Well, the words that you said, to speak from the heart, Mm. And to listen from the heart. Mm. And the listening is as important as the speaking. Yes. Yes. And in between the voices, we try to provide a little silence so we can take in what has been said. And then things get very rich because, for example, someone may bring a dream, and that dream is looked at not psychologically, that is individually, but is looked at in the old ways as coming for the community. And so there is a sharing without the disappearance of the individual, Mm. that the individual somehow um, emerges in his or her particularity within the context of the community. It's a very beautiful process. Mm-hmm. Yes. The yep. change I recommend. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, yes, yes. Yes. So yeah. both of you are people who are sought out. Others seek you out to help them find a sense of belonging, find a sense of belonging to something that is larger than themselves to um, be able to learn how to trust what they're hearing. First of all, learn how to listen and trust what they're hearing. What, what would you say to this? What would you, how do you help someone come to trust the listening? Hmm. Well, for me, I try to help them see the different ways in which they may be receiving the same information or advice or perspective. So just listening to one thing, it's like going to one expert, that doesn't mean anything. But when there's a resonance, when, you, when, you, when your dreams, when your visions, when your friends, um, when it seems the earth visions are saying the same or similar things, then it's then then you're on the right path. So I guess I would say that I trust when there is a community of response, mm. a resonant community of response. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think also it's to enable people to find their own inner resources mm-hmm. very much in shamanic practice it's really about making those connections in the non-ordinary but in a conscious way and then being able to draw on those resources which connects you to a much larger community than just yourself alone or just yourself and your family or even just your neighborhood it connects you to the you know the all the beings that are around us in this reality as well as in other realities and to recognize their sources of wisdom 
and sources of, of unconditional love and support available to us there, and that we can make those connections. And then from that, be informed, be inspired, um, be supported to really bring that knowledge and that, those insights uh, into this world and to find ways to apply that knowledge and that experience um, to these very kinds of problems that we're speaking about. And yes, we, knew, we do need community in which to operate here, too, and to find times to come together in council in whatever ways uh, you know, really are right for the individual person. Um, it's great to really have the time to, yeah, let's come together and let's talk about some of these things. And then from that shared uh, time, maybe come out with something beyond what we ever thought mm -hmm. uh, might be possible. And also to help people um, contact what they've always known, mm. but perhaps have set aside or not believed because it's not necessarily uh, culturally viable, wasn't the standard way of thinking. So um, I think for people to trust, uh, it helps to be um, connected to remember who one is, one's own intuitions, and... Um, and then to see how the situation begins to merge with uh, that old, deep knowing. Mm. Mm. We, we need also to find ourselves trustworthy yes. in yes. order to trust. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Well, what... A beautiful way to end our conversation. And I'm sorry to end our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it's been such a rich and wonderful um, time with the both of you. Um, but before we do end, I would like you each to tell people how they can find you, how they can reach you. Um, I'm sure they want to. So, Dina? Um my email address is uh, Dina Metzger at Verizon.net. And um, um, my, uh, is that right? Your website? Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah. And my website is DinaMetzger.net. That's probably the best way. Yes. And Amanda? Yes. Uh, you can reach me at um, my, by email at a folger it's spelled f as in forest o u l g e r at aol.com i also have a website amandafolger.com and uh, so either way you can contact me and um, we can you know be in touch about whatever you'd like to be in touch about i welcome i welcome it yeah and i'd also like to say that people uh, go on my website they will get more information about dari which mm -hmm. is um, open to the community, and perhaps it is a gathering that would bring uh, meaning and healing to some of the listeners. Great. So I thank you both. I love you both. Uh, this has been a wonderful time together, and yes. uh, I look forward to more, and thank you so much for helping, helping us, uh, helping support us find community through change. 
Mm, and thank, thank you. you for bringing this wonderful book into the world. Yes, thank you, Sharon. I think this is so wonderful, very exciting, and I think it's going to, you know, open some doors for people uh, with all this, uh, you know, perspectives on change. Thank you so much, and thank you, dear Dina. Thank you, <laughs> thank you Amanda. Okay, all right. thanks all Love around. You. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Bye. This is Passing for Normal. Conversations with artists, activists, and awakeners about how they are seeding change in the world. I'm your host, Sharon Weil, author of Donnie and Ursula Save the World and the new book, Changeability, a work of nonfiction exploring how to navigate change with more effectiveness and ease. How do you find courage? How do you become more effective in navigating change? Find out when you join us for fun and insightful discussion with some very inspirational people about how to turn purpose and passion into action, while at the same time, passing for normal.